I'm Allison Knowlton Mason. I'm Stanley Bradley, and we're friends turned family, getting together to tell stories, laugh, observe, and think. This is a family meeting. All right, so we're over halfway through our second season, which is exciting. It went kind of quick. Um, and we have our first male guest today, which is, I don't, I don't know, we're not doing the best in terms of the equity there, but you know, we're uh. doing the best we can. Um, so we're excited to have Jamal with us today. So Jamal, just kick us off. Like, how do you know us? And what are you up to these days? Sure. What's up guys? Um, Jamal, as you said, I know you all, uh, know Stan from Warhouse. So we were freshmen together, then eventually roommates together, then life situations and all yes. this other stuff. <laughs> People grow up, get old. That's right. That's I was just thinking about that. Like, <laughs> hey, Jamal, so this is the story. Jamal's birthday is July 14th and we both took French. So every time on July 14th, I always think A, that, then I also think about French and all of the stories. But still day, exactly. But then I was thinking about the fact that you have been married for over 15 years? Yeah, 16, 16. Wow. I was like, I don't know. I think you might have posted some anniversary pictures. Uh, And I was like, wow. And so like the fact that you've been married for 15 years and the fact that I knew you for like six or seven years plus before that, this is crazy. Yeah, you've known me at several kind of growth stages and yeah. stages of my life. It's all, it's pretty amazing. I, I love that. And then, of course, because Allison and you are so tight and our family, forget friends, y'all are y'all are family. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember going to one of your birthday parties, Allison. I didn't even know you, but it said, <laughs> Allison, come on. So, <laughs> so I've, known, I've known you forever as well. Obviously not as intimately as yeah. Sam. Um, Stanley, reading your dad on Zoom um, window, as Stan, um, who we call Stan the Man in our circle. But um, but yeah, that's how I know you guys and and love the friendship that you all have. Like I said, it's, it's family. Y'all build on this tight. And so mm-hmm. that's how we know each other. And then what I'm up to right now um, is really an interesting kind of process and journey for me. So I just um, launched a nonprofit in Atlanta last year. Um, Strive Atlanta, which is um, a national organization. Strive is headquartered in New York. We're in about 10 different cities up and down the East Coast, and they wanted to expand into Atlanta. And so they courted me for almost about a year. Um, They really started from a thought leadership lens. What do you think? What do you think the community would would resonate with? Would it work? And then it shifted into, so you need to be leading this. Let's make it happen. I was not on the market. I wasn't looking for a job, but I'm connected. I've worked in the nonprofit space for almost 20 years. And, you know, the ROI for me, fulfillment is making a difference for who we serve. My focus and footprint is on black and brown, right? Before all things, you know, America is focused on black and brown. That's that's what I've done for the last 20 years. So we launched last year just before the pandemic. So trust me, I have been hazed as the executive director, uh, (laughs) founding a new nonprofit, you know, engaging philanthropy, engaging the city. Um, but we're doing we're doing well. So that's that's really what takes up my my every day all day. I wake up thinking how to move the needle, how to you know shift opportunity for black and brown folks towards economic mobility. Um, that's the professional. Personal, I'm a husband, as you mentioned, Stan, 16 years, and I met my wife freshman year at Spelman. So we're we're that typical Morehouse Spelman couple thing. 
Um, and we birthed, you know, three beautiful daughters. I'm a girl dad all, all the way. I will not have a son because we are done. I have changed my life's <laughs> diaper. There will be no more car seats in the car. I'm good. Now I'm mentor. I made the big brothers, big sisters, but uh, we're done. Um, so anyway, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a son. I try to try to be the best at all three daily. That's what I'm up to. I love that. And I think that goes so well into the first question. And that's really why we had you on for this topic, because in my mind, like you are that thought leader. And like, like you said, like, you know, we don't have like a ton of overlap in our lives, right? You and I, um, I obviously follow you on all the socials, but like, I am like, this guy is so smart. And he, it's obvious just in the way that you interact in the public sphere that you are thinking about black and brown people. And so- like I said, that goes really nicely into that first question that we're bringing back from season one is how do you think about yourself in relation to others? So obviously we're talking about consciousness, mm -hmm. thinking about yourself in relation to others and systems. Yeah, that, that was, you know, such an interesting question. I think if I, if I rewind to my childhood, right? So a couple of stories. I'm trying not to answer every question with the story, but, but the reality is, you know, I'm from Long Island, right? Born and raised. And I'm Jamal. And I'm J-O-M-A-L. And yes, was in the honors program and was the black kid in the honors program in my school. So I have always not just been who I am, but have had to navigate and deal with people's perspectives of my insight, my voice, um, and have had to change some narratives, not intentionally, but it has happened. And so it made me very aware very early on that it's not just about how I wake up and how I feel about myself, but there is an impact and a potential influence and an opportunity. So fast forward past being, you know, Jamal, growing up on Long Island, um, to coming to Morehouse and meeting all my brothers and meeting all my, you know, the HBCU environment is affirming in so many levels. Um, that's beautiful. And it really was the first time I've um, kind of deepened all the thoughts I, that I had about myself in meeting other people with different experiences that I thought, you know, I did think we were a monolith, that, you know, Jamal's were Jamal's, and I have met, Stan knows this, I have met, you know, Republicans, I've met rich kids, I've met, and I'm like, whoa, and yeah, and we, we all, I mean, even, even the Northern Southern kind of, anyway, so I yeah. say all that to say, um, that was another kind of consciousness, who I am, what, what my presence, you know, evokes. And then fast forward into the workplace <clears throat> where yet again, I'm Jamal. And let me be clear, I'm Jamal, my wife is Shamika. So when we RSVP for your event, when you invite us to your gala, <laughs> you are clear about who we are. When I apply for the job, when I apply for the internship, when you invite me to be on the panel, very clear about who I am, right? I, I can't do the, the J, I could do the J Bales, but I refuse to. Like you, you're gonna get Jamal, right? <laughs> Regardless. Mm -hmm. But I say all that to say, what that has meant for me in relation to others and to systems is that where I need to affect change, I pick that mantle up and I do that, right? Where I, where I can connect, I'm happy to connect. And I'm glad to do that. I'm a connector. That's, that's my superpower is super connecting, um, which is why I work in the nonprofit space. That's why I've engaged with philanthropy in the way that I do. As you mentioned, all the places and spaces that you see me, it's because of uh, I've learned how to hone in that, that influence. That's innate, right? That's not trained. That's not something I've upskilled to. That's been me really, again, from being Jamal growing up on Long Island to who I am today. But with respect to systems, I'm a disruptor. 
I, I call it out. I call it out with the goal to affect change that meets some shared goals. But I definitely am not one who um, who sits quietly. That's not how I wake up. Um, and so if you if I'm in the room, I'm going to voice not in opposition by design, but truth and transparency. And so if truth means we need to have a, a different conversation, then we will. Um, that's how I connect. That's that's what I see myself. I'm both a connector and a disruptor, an agitator. Um, but but for the purpose of of good resolution and resolve to move towards what we what we all want for community. Yeah. Mm. That was a word. Look, we always say that's a word. That was a word right there. And I'm we're how many minutes into this? <laughs> <laughs> Usually it takes longer to get to the word. Oh my gosh. I like, I mean, I'm just thinking about what you said about being a disruptor. And like knowing you personally, like now, you know, knowing somebody when they're 18 and seeing like the trajectory, like I I see 18 year old Jamal. I remember some of the stuff that went on. We won't go into it. But just knowing, you know, knowing some of the stuff that we did together, I'm totally seeing how you're like, no, actually in this space, we're going to stop and take a pause and I'm going to speak my truth. Yeah. And one of the, one of the cool things you say, cause like, and just thinking about like knowing you and knowing, like you said, how you are a connector, you're like, you know, like people know you Think about how you're like, I'm not in opposition, but you know, from a space of trying to make change. What happens when people, when you do have to be in that spot of opposition, right? Like, I know that's not where, you, that's not where your spirit is coming from, but sometimes opposition comes to you. How do you navigate those, those, A, are you aware of when opposition is coming to you? And then how do you navigate that? Oh yeah, it's, it's clear, right? That doesn't, um, that's not one of those in the car, oh, that was opposition. It's, it's real clear. Um, when it shows up. And, and as I mentioned, being in the car, one of the things that I really aspire to daily, I don't like to drive home and say, damn, I wish I said X. Ooh, if I could do it again, I would say Y, right? Or that, na that, that navigation we have inside, like, uh, do I go this far? Ooh, maybe this isn't the right environment. What I have learned, and I, I tell really my inner circle, every one of those moments, is for you to do that, right? It, it, the only reason you recognize that it's opposition is because you have something that you need to offer in that conversation. Now, it doesn't mean they're gonna change. It doesn't mean that you're gonna end you know, the winner, if you will, in that conversation, but they're driving home and they've heard you, right? And so that is that will resonate, that will show up again, even if it's not in the conversation, if it's not in the immediate next after. But trust me, at some point, you drop seeds that may, in fact, germinate something new. So I, I try to, and I'm pretty committed to in those instances. Again, I don't come ready with the, with the boxing gloves. That's one that's too much energy. And I'm a, I'm a thick dude. So trust me, I'm not, I ain't trying, I mean, I'm sweating under this hat. It's probably going to come off before this interview is over. Because so, <laughs> I didn't bring a bottle of water, like all that. So I, I'm hot. But I say that to say I will. I, it is, it will show up. It is clear when it's opposition. And for me, that actually is the only proxy for when I'd have to. Not it'd be nice to. There are some things that are nice to have versus must-haves. For me, that's a must-do situation where I've got to share what that truth is. Because God has blessed me to be a microphone 
really for the voiceless, right? That's what I do. I'm in the offices. I'm in all the spaces where the people I serve will come through my doors professionally. They're not there. They don't have the access and they don't have someone who's there advocating for them. And so because I get to do that and I'm Jamal, again, J-O-M-A-L, I take that as my charge, as my charge to absolutely advocate and spread truth in those scenarios. And again, it's not about changing I want change. I want to affect change. I consider myself, yes, a change agent. I'm focused on social justice daily. Um, but every, every interaction that you have is not going not gonna to end that way. But for me, when I'm driving home, I'm not doing the, dang, I wish I said X. I, I, what I really am, what affirms for me spiritually is that God has given it to me and I've used it when I was supposed to. That's, that's for me, how I navigate opposition. That is powerful in so many ways. Um, I think for me, I feel hit by that because there are, I have not been existing on those consciousness levels on the same, for the same length of time as you all. And so for me, sometimes I really second guess myself when that opposition comes, when there's like a moment and I'm like, ah, I should say something. I, I do that drive home and I'm like, ah, like I, is that what it's about or is it something else? And so that really speaks to me really powerfully that like, if you observe it, it is yours to do something with. And yeah. so, so that I just, I would like to thank you for that as a like call in for myself to like not run from those moments. Um, and that goes really nicely into the next question too, of like, what are those levels of consciousness that you exist at? Like, I think, you know, we're obviously talking about race, right? Like that's mm -hmm. one level for sure. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, like, as you were growing up and then moving to Morehouse, like what are those different levels of consciousness that you exist at? And I'm going to be taking notes because I need to make sure that I <laughs> get on those levels. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and there's lots. So, you know, when I saw the question, you know, of course, it's 2021. So I Google levels of consciousness. <laughs> there were, you know, tons of sites with here are the seven levels. Here are the five levels. Here are the four levels. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going to allow that to prescribe how I answer the question. So um, what I will say is, you know, while there may be seven, five, four, 16, depending on what white paper you read, for me, consciousness is really about presence. It's about awareness. It's about, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about being woke later, but I'm going to say being awake. <laughs> and I don't mean woke, but I mean being awake. Um, that is, for me, you know, the an optimal, the optimal position of consciousness, of awareness, of presence, of being awake. Um, and for me, again, being responsive in those scenarios. The other, the other space, whether we call it subconscious, unconscious, um, and I'm sure that there are some delineations between the two, is really knowing that there's a lot that informs and makes up who we are. And it's not always top of chest. It's not always, you know, sitting on your shoulders ready to go. There's some stuff and we could go all the way back to experiences I've had, to lessons I think I learned and have determined are true. Um, there are some that I've determined are false. They show up in the most random times, right? But the reality is I know that they were informed by either a life experience, a model that I that I aspire to, um, some, some, something that I've seen, read, heard a million times. And what has become work for me 
is not discounting the subconscious, right? Because I don't want to, it's not that I'm blocking it from showing up because again, it bubbles up. You, you can't, you can't tell it when to bubble up or not to bubble up. And because I've had so, if we're talking about with a racial lens, because I've had the life I've had and the experiences I've had, which I'll talk about even more, you know, if as needed, I actually embrace when those things surface, because for me, it's a reminder that even in your consciousness, Jamal, even in all of your awake and presence and, and all the stuff, there's still stuff, other stuff that's under that, which also means there's other stuff in those other people that I'm, when you talk about opposition, that I may be meeting who they are right there in that moment, but that also was informed, right? And so how do you give space and allow for both to happen? That's why really for me, it's about the exchange. That's why I wanna make sure that I say everything that's in the heart and mind in that exchange, because if not, I may miss an opportunity to connect with one of those other levels. Every every presence is not always consciousness. Sometimes this yeah, this is just what I grew up with. This is what I know, and so this is my default, right? Um, and so that that is why I do try to leave it all in, in on the floor in those exchanges um, because I know for me there's a lot more than Jamal that's present. There's a whole lot of stuff that most folks don't know. Now, Stan, you've known me forever, so you've seen some things. Stan knows, uh, you know, for the sake of this, you met me freshman year. My mom passed away two weeks into freshman year. So literally moved me in. I had no idea she was sick. Two weeks later, I got flown to New York and my mom passed away a week later. So, mm. so there are people who have met me in different stages of my life not knowing the undercurrents, the things that undergird how I operate today. So as I mentioned earlier, right, I'm a husband, father, and a son, and I try my best to be the best at all three daily. Both my parents are, are gone, but being a son is still one of my foremost traits. Everything I do is really to honor them. They're not here, I'm not gonna get a pat on the back, I'm not, they're not coming to any of my events. That doesn't happen. They haven't seen any of my, my children be born. Yes, I could cry about that, right? Um, but for me, it's, it's how do I take what they did pour into me and how do I make that show up in my life, right? That, that is one of those levels, right? I don't know, I'm, I'm not gonna name it. I'm sure that there is a name for it, but I do think that it's, it's both. It's the subconscious and the, and the, and the conscious that together really um, marinate in everything I do and show up in different, different spaces and places. Long answer, but that's, that's it for me. No, that that right there. Like I said, maybe this whole episode is just, we're gonna retitle it the word. <laughs> the word with Jamal. Oh. The word with Jamal. No, because I'm thinking, and like you said, I'm thinking about now, you know, like you said, what you were going through then and how that shapes you. But also just like you I, the word, like the word present. Like I don't know, in our first, we didn't really talk a lot about that. But I feel like that's something, uh, another key takeaway is like being present. Like you don't know what you know unless you're present and kind of sitting in it. And like you said, even that unconscious stuff, I think if you're present, you're going to recognize when that unconscious stuff comes up because it's different, right? Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that really stuck with me and I, I want to follow up on is this idea of being aware of the like experiences and subconscious of the other person that you're interacting with, especially, you know, when you're in conflict or there's some opposition. And I think for me, sometimes I feel like there is a choice that I have to make between 
mm. preserving a relationship and saying what I need to say, right? Sometimes racially, sometimes on other levels where it's like, I there's like a thing that I need to, to break down for you. But like, I feel like I'm worried, A, that you might not hear it or B, that the relationship will be sort of irreparably damaged as a result of that. And so that's like a tension that I sit with sometimes. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. Like when you're talking about making space to understand how that the other person has a whole bunch, all their stuff too, but also making sure that on your drive home, you're not, you know, kicking yourself. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's, it's really funny. I, I actually do do that more than, I um, realized because I sit in the seat of, you know, philanthropy, right? And I will tell you, you know, without <laughs> calling people out, um, I have a lot of donors and have, and have developed relationships with them who in their current life and presence, you would not expect us to have connected. But the reason we connect is really because of where they came from, um, the perspective they had that quietly they had but couldn't say because of their family, because of their profession, because of their, you know, their uh, persona. And so I create a space where one, I'm gonna call out the truth that I know, whether or not you live in that seat daily, um, but, that, but that it does inform why you care or why you want to support, right? You don't want to get engaged and involved and publicly connect, right? But privately will support. I say all that to say in, in the notion of philanthropy, my life really has been being a conduit between people's values and mission, right? And so it's a lot of things people want to support, but they don't. But partly because it takes work, it takes energy, they don't know how. And so having been a conduit between mission and values for so many people and companies um, and government for so long, I have definitely been exposed to that subconscious, unconscious reality for a lot of donors that doesn't show up in their daily life. And I have to respect that for some people, it's a choice. Just as you mentioned, it's a choice. You question whether or not you're going to. I have, I, I'll tell you, bring George Floyd up. The number of calls I got from some of my rich white donors who said, I can't have this conversation. I won't have this conversation with my crew, in my circle, in my life, with my wife, because she knows me as X. But here's, here's what I want to do here and help me learn a little. Tell me some realities of who you serve and the realities that exist. So again, as I mentioned, whether, whether I consider myself a microphone some days, like this one right here next to me, or a conduit, it definitely is about um, recognizing that both exist. And, and I, don't, I don't put a value judgment on someone who lives in their conscious presence and kind of distills or keeps quiet that subconscious because I know it happens to me. There's some stuff that's in there that I don't tout, that I don't talk about, right? Um, and that doesn't make me any less of, in terms of human, in terms of reality. So I, it, it is about doing both. And I, I think, Allison, you know, I know you say you question those scenarios where you might want to say something to a friend, and it might it might recalibrate the relationship. That that definitely has happened, even even for me in personal relationships. Um, but but not having the weight 
and the, the quiet, right? Uh, that for me has been more beneficial than maintaining the relationship. And it doesn't mean you're dead to me. Right. It doesn't mean, right, that, that we no longer have relationship, but it, it means that you know my position, right? That's really, that's, again, it's about driving home. <laughs> it's about driving. I'm still coming to your birthday party. I'm still going to celebrate your successes, but I need you to know this is this, this thing that I, that I have to share. That for me has just become, um, just the way that I operate. And I, I encourage people, there's a freedom that comes with it that I, that I just find really beneficial. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, I think that the thing that I'm going to take away from this is this idea of recalibrating a relationship. Because I sometimes think of it as we are what we are or we're nothing. And mm-hmm. there is another way to think about that, like yeah. recalibrating it to like something has happened that has created a juncture. And now we may be on a different path than we were on. That doesn't mean that we're off a path together or that like there's no community at all, just that we are going to be different after this. And that can be okay too. Yeah. It's like that, that concept of like seasonality, right? Yeah. That people have seasons and relationships have seasons. And sometimes that transition is smooth. And sometimes it's like, oh, this is where your season ends. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, so this next question, I feel like I don't even feel like I want to ask it anymore because of what you said has been so meaningful so far. Is that this idea of like turning on or off your consciousness to engage with different pla- people, places, and things? And I, I feel like you know you're talking about how like smoothly it's integrated into just like every move you make. So feel free to opt out of this question if you want to. Oh, but no. I'm curious on this. Let me tell you, it's so funny you say that because that is true for the lion's share. Yes, I, I am Jamal in any room, any audience, any place in space. Um, but you know where I have I have um, practiced turning on and off is really in in parenting my teenager. Really? Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, because I can't engage with her every time as dad. Right? We have. There are times when I really just need to listen and not offer all my thoughts, advice, guidance, direction. Sometimes she just needs to voice what's going on, right? Without dad, <laughs> right? Now, when she comes to me for dad, yes, that that is who and how I am. But, and I'm a storyteller, you know, I'm a griot. She calls me, she's like, dad, you've got a story for every situation, right? And, so, and I do, this is what I do, like, I get it. But there are some times when her scenario, her situation, as crazy as it is to me, right? This is 15 year old with social media and all the stuff. Sometimes I literally turn it all off and, and, I, and I just um, listen so that that is the exchange that we had. There are some times when, yes, I do need to parent. I do need to course correct. There are some times when I do need to push or nudge. Um, but that, that our relationship, because we're close and, and oddly close, as she says, like, you know, she shares more with me sometimes than she shares with my wife. And I'm like, does mom know this? No. I'm like, wow, okay, so I've got to respect that because trust me, a lot of my cats who have daughters and who have teens are like, Jamal, my my daughter tells me, doesn't even talk to me really. Like it's it's so transactional, right? So I'm like, okay, well, we're not gonna be that because that's not that that ain't gonna happen. Excuse me. So so I do have to sometimes turn off 
or maybe turn down um, how I engage with her so that we have multiple relationships, multiple levels of relationship, where some are, yes, parenting, but others sometimes are connections. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'll listen to her Billie Eilish phase. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, oh, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I literally, I took her to her concert. I could care less about, I mean, I was sitting there, one, I think I saw three brothers at this entire concert, right? <laughs> but but that's 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 connection on another level. I don't care. Anyway, I, I say all that to say, um, I'm learning new levels, you know, even, even for myself and things that I tout as important. Um, I sometimes I'm a user of recalibrate because that that is what I what I wind up doing just as she evolves, we are evolving together. And so I can't always show up present, awake, ready. You know, that sometimes it's just it's learning for me too. That's that's the place and space where I'd say I do that most is in my my relationship with my team. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that um it's interesting to think of like not turning it off but turning it down, that like there is that it's there and you're still awake to your conscious levels, but for the sake of relationship, for the sake of family, for the sake of, you know, even, even keeping a relationship at the same calibration, you're like, okay, actually it's important right now that we stay at the same calibration. So let me not say everything I need to say, mm -hmm. or I th could think to say mm -hmm. is important. I'm, I'm curious, like when did you first make that like, has it just been like since she's been a teenager or is it because you guys were like so close? And I can't believe you have 50 year old daughter. That's a whole nother. <laughs> but like, was it like, do you think it like, is it different with your other girls? Do you think it will be different with them just because you and your eldest, you guys have a special relationship? Yeah. So it's, it's funny you say that we do have a special relationship, um, you know, no parent likes to say, oh, I have, a, I'm not even going to use the word favorite, yeah. but she's my first, you know, she literally right out of the womb, opened her eyes and stared at me for a few seconds. The nurses were like, one babies don't even open their eyes that quick, but she is zoned in on you. And that has been, that has been how we've connected really from birth. So I do think that this may be unique to her, but it also has prepared me for how to engage as needed with each kid, because every kid needs something different, right? I'm an extrovert, as you know, she's out there. Um, we connect on many levels. I have another daughter who is completely the opposite and, um, and shows up in the world very differently. And I have to love her the same and connect as well, right? So I do think some of it is just because we've been close forever. That's just what it's been. But, um, but I think, so the, in, in transparency, um, I probably came to know who I was in junior high, right? And have known that for a while and have been cool with that. She did not in middle school. She definitely went through the, who am I today? Oh, whatever influence was popular, that was the win. That, that wasn't me. And I remember my dad sharing with me that <laughs> I'll tell you this, boy, you're going to get me in trouble, man. Because um, I remember calling him about my girlfriend that was not my wife and I was complaining about something stupid. I'm like, dad, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and he was like, yeah, son. He was like, everybody doesn't know who they are as early as you did in life. Some people is college. Some people is when they get married. Some people is after they have a kid. 
And so you can't, you can't write her off because she is not, you know what I mean? And I remember being like, whoa, it totally, it was, I mean, I'm not, I'm not crying in this conversation, but my dad, I don't know if you know this dad. So my father told me that my, my wife was his daughter-in-law before we even were really together, before I hadn't even thought about that. I feel like I might've known that. Yeah. And so he's like, I know you don't know this, but that's my daughter-in-law. I'm like, what? I mean, of all the chicks I had been with that he had met, he connected. Anyway, I say all that to say, um, because he made me aware that everyone's journey is different, right? And there's no value judgment. Again, I've, I've been cool with me for a very long time, but my daughter is still in that process. And so I have to be sensitive to that. And she doesn't even know half the stuff I'm talking about, but I'm aware that she's trying to connect right and trying to learn who she is and trying to learn her own voice that is something that was much more innate to me younger and so because I'm aware of that only because of my pops because he shut me down I, I thought he was on cosign I complained about my girl at the time and he was like nah, no so no yeah no he totally shut me down uh, <laughs> which I did not expect um, but it, ha- it has helped me recognize that everyone is on their own journey. So to remind back to your question, Allison, about how I deal with those in opposition, the reality is everyone is in their own is on their own journey, right? And that's not a value judgment for me to make. I'm clear about who I am in my voice in this conversation, and you're going to know it before we end. But that doesn't mean you are less than because you came from a different perspective. That That is what allows me to engage with any audience, any perspective, any experience, because I realize we all are on our own journeys. Does that make sense? A lot of sense. It makes a yeah. lot of sense. And it feels so freeing. Like I like the 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 version, the image of you right now is I have of this person who's just like free. Like you're just moving through the world. You're like, I know who I am. I don't know who you are. I can get to know you. You're on your journey. Like I'm gonna say what I have to say. And you're going to be who you are and we're going to interact in the ways that we do. And you know what I'm saying? Like, there's not any of that heavy, not not to say that you don't ever have heavy feelings, but there's none of that like, ah, like you need to be this. And I'm trying to be this in any sort of way. So I, it's beautiful and freeing. Um, It also goes really well into our next question, which is for both of you of this idea of seeing wokeness be weaponized which again is has some of that like i am woke you are not woke you need to be more woke right that there's some value judgment like you said jamal about a person not being a certain thing so where have you guys seen wokeness weaponized um i mean i think it's everywhere these days just because that term you know right like because that term has been so, the term itself has been weaponized, right? Like I can kind of remember being on Twitter, like I think it was on Ferguson time when all that stuff was happening and someone was like, stay woke. And they meant it like, to me, they meant it like since we're putting on our racial lens, to me, it was a very clear message to black people like watch what's happening. Like it wasn't like this is a set of knowledge base and this is a set of ideas. It was just like, watch what's happening through this process. Like stay woke, like keep your eyes on what is really happening right now in this moment. And so to see it go from that to being like, depending on which audience you're in, to being a weapon is just, 
is kind of interesting and it's also kind of it's frustrating for me because like I said seeing it in that initial way of it just being like a thing kind of just for us and then seeing it turned against us so no I, I agree and I think for me the challenge with all things woke is it it's it's essentially created another division right within the black community right so as if we don't already have enough to to deal with now we have yet another are you woke or are you not and then by what definition right and and what influence do you have by what level of woke you are all of that is is to me problematic and not congruent with, as you said, Stan, the original intention was about being aware of what's going on, right? Being diligent, right? Being protective, being all those things that are important to move the community. Now, I mean, we're talking about whether we're talking about artists, we're talking about music, we talk, I mean, it's, it's, it has morphed into um, an unhealthy presence that unfortunately has some influence. And because of social media, right? Every day there's a new weapon, there's a new fire shot about somebody, somewhere, something, and you have to determine which side, which side you fall on. That type of divisiveness is um, unfortunately, I think a cancer, you know, within, within our community. So um, I still like the idea, yes, of being present, being aware, being conscious, you know, of what's happening, but leveraging that to then dismiss or discount folks is where to me it has gone wrong. Yeah, like if using it like a litmus test almost, like if you don't believe these X things, like if you, and I shouldn't even say believe because I think it's more of like, if you don't subscribe to these symbols, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you're not on the right side and therefore you are dismissed. I don't, I won't say the word canceled because I don't like that word, but you are in a sense, not, not part of, of a community. And like you said, there's diversity. And like, there are, I think there are certain shared things that yes, you have to be fully cognizant of. But again, this whole idea that there's a litmus test and that you can't therefore like to me with the term woke, stay woke was you're constantly learning, right? Like you can't, like, the, and the idea with the weaponizing of wokeness is to me is like, there's a litmus test and you can't pass it and you can't be redeemed from that, right? Like, you can't, like, like I say, it's a certain, a certain set of things that either you know it or you don't. I think that's what's the, what the issue is. It's not even the set of values. It's that, like, you can't be redeemed almost or certain things, which is, which is like you said, the uncomfortable part about it for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, obviously Jamal has dropped all the knowledge on us today. I feel like I need to go back and listen to this again with a piece of paper and a pen and take notes. So thank you for coming and sharing all that with us. Um, what's up for you this week? Oh, well, thank you for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I, it was a good conversation. What's up for me um, this week? It's really, I mean, chilling. It's about the balance. It's, it's doing the work, moving the work forward, but also having some time. This virtual reality of, you know, meetings all day, nonstop, being present, having, you know, an iron shirt with jeans and kicks on underneath. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it is it is what it is. So um, I think it's always trying to find the balance so that at the end of the week, because you know how you get to the end of the week and you're like, did I do what I planned to, like, to do this week? Did I move the needle on X? 
Uh, I, I want to make sure that that happens this week. I've got you know a couple of things ahead of me that are exciting, and so I'm you know energetic and excited about it. And so just you know I just want to make sure I'm moving the needle towards my goals. Yeah, balance is important. My therapist was telling me that I'm out of balance, so I was like, that's a good reminder. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Uh, what's up for me, and this is my little bit of balance, is Ted Lasso. I'm very, very, very into Ted Lasso right now. Um, Stan and I talked about this a long time ago, and I think your friend Casa was watching it. Yeah. Yes. Did I say her name right? Casa. Casa. I'm so sorry. Casa. Um, she was watching it, and I think you told me you weren't that into it. So I was like, ah, Stan doesn't really like it, so it's fine. <laughs> Got into it. Love it. Now, and I love Jason Sudeikis anyway. So that was always going to be a big, that was always going to be a win. But it is just like the most charming, delightful show on the planet. I've teared up multiple times. We regularly rewind it. It's like, there'll be like this a one-liner where we're like cracking up and we have to go back and watch it again. So it is like my favorite thing. We started it Tuesday, I think, Monday. And we have watched all the episodes that are available. We watched season one and all of season two that is out. <laughs> yesterday, I restarted it <laughs> yeah, because I no. love it that much. So I highly recommend it. It's just a delight, truly. I, I, I'm adding it to my list. I'm seeing I'm seeing why. I'm on episode four. So good. I'm seeing why. I'm seeing why it might be. Um, yeah. It might be worth a worth a good bin. Yeah. What's yeah. up for you? Um you know, I love a good time waster. I love a good puzzle. Uh -huh. So I have been doing tiles on the New York Times, the puzzle page. So I, you know, I'm all about the spelling bee, which is the word game. And it's like, why don't you click here for tiles? And so of course I clicked there for tiles <laughs> and became immediately obsessed. It's like, it's just, it's just cool. If, if you like, and that's why I think you'll like it because it's got detail, it's got design. So it's like a visual image and it's you're like a like visual image and you're, trying to, and you're trying to match. You're trying oh. to match, but like, so it has like lots of layers on top of it. So, it, so it, ha so it may have like an image may have like five different layers. Oh. And so you're picking, you're matching. You're just matching. Okay. Until you clear the whole board. That does sound fun. Yeah. And like I said, because it's, it's detailed, I think you would really like it. All right. I'll, I'll yeah. report back. Yeah titles that's what's up so mr jamal can you tell us how folks can get in contact with you um let us know how we can help with your um with your nonprofit with strive correct yeah strive atl strive atlanta so um you can connect with me on instagram i'm arnold underscore drummond um so arnold... give us give us the background of that name please <laughs> yes okay so um my sister Nicknamed me Arnold Drummond when I was a kid for two reasons. One, I was small but had a big belly, like Arnold Drummond. I don't know if that's number one and this is number two, or if it's, or if it's vice versa. But that was that was the case. And then, much like Arnold, I was sarcastic and I had you know one of those mouths and would talk to adults any kind of way. And so <laughs> she always called me Arnold because she's like, I don't know if they made this character after you or if you're trying to be him, but y'all are you know one. Um, so yes, I used to, I was you know one of those kids, one of those precocious kids, and talked you know the way I talked. So that's where Arnold that's where Arnold came from. And so when I um you know made my Instagram, 
I, she still, she literally calls me Ronald. Like she has not said Jamal, I feel like since like second grade. I've n- I don't can't even remember her calling me anything other than Arnold. And so when people meet her, they're like, is your middle name Arnold? Like, why does she call you Arnold? I have to then explain the whole story. So that's where Arnold Drummond, um, Arnold Drummond came from. Arnold underscore Drummond on, on Instagram. And then if you're interested in connecting with Strive, if you're interested in, you know, moving the needle towards economic opportunity for black and brown folks in Atlanta through job training, job placement, um, by all means, follow us as well. We are Strive ATL on, on Instagram as well as Facebook, or you can go to strive.org slash Atlanta. So we'd love to connect, have a conversation and see how you can get engaged. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, this has been an incredibly dope conversation and we're honored that you joined us. Yay. I'm honored by the invitation. and I really appreciate it. We had a good talk. Yes. Definitely. All right, y'all. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye.